Two quick things. Um, first, last week, I, I was supposed to be here and had said when I ended up two weeks ago, come back next week and I'll do part two. I did not do that so that you'd come and um, be here and then I wasn't here. I would never tell you something, not intend on doing it. It was alluded to that I was sick. Here's how I was actually in the hospital for a few days. Um, started with a kidney stone that turned into other stuff that um, is, not, is not fun and came that close to being operated on and begged a surgeon, um, please don't do this. Give me a little more time to... To, to get by this, which he did do, and um, um, otherwise I would still be there right now, believe it or not, on the last part of healing up from it. And uh, DJ, thank you. At the drop of a hat, DJ switched weeks with me, um, didn't even hesitate, whatever you need. All my staff is that way. Whatever you need, we're willing to give it to you and make it happen. I appreciate that about my staff more than I could ever tell, but you did a tremendous job last week, um, allowed me to, to recoup. Um, and, and get back on my feet a little bit, and I appreciate that. And uh, um, the other thing I would just share is never, ever quit praying for your pastors. Sometimes we think, here's, here's what I, I heard this afternoon. I was just going to throw this out to our church. Um, it's maybe you come and you just go, do my prayers even do any good? And here's what the Lord would tell you. It's that you, you don't know what evil is held back when you pray. And you don't know what God does for us. And we, sometimes we just tend to think of it like this, like God will do whatever he's going to do. God loves to answer our prayers. And he waits for us to pray. Do you believe that? And I will just tell you, um, friend to friend, never quit praying for us. You don't know sometimes how the devil tries to come. And uh, I I just say this, the devil does not like what we do and doesn't like how we go about it, um, but he doesn't win. How about that? We keep swinging and we keep going and here I am, devil. So, all right, here we we go. So let's finish this up. Um, (laughs) I don't mean that as a threat either so <laughs> all right uh so so grab your notes and and we'll jump into this real quick uh it just says simply welcome to our series on the renewed mind this will actually be the last message in the series where dj was supposed to finish it up we'd switched so i will do part two of what i had done two weeks ago and the two areas that we're going to cover today if you just look at it i'll finish up on vain imaginations and then i'll also talk about the transformed mind so when i stopped uh, a couple of weekends back and just said hey how many of you would like to know how to have a transformed mind if i could teach you that if we could get into that would you want to know good majority of our people, if not all, had raised their hands and said, uh, you know, I'll be back. I want to hear that. I want to learn that. I think I can teach you that. I think I can show you that. But then here's the thing. How many of you know that just simple, like, formulas don't do it either, right? It's, there's, the, there's the need to then take it and practice, but there's also, you've got to hear from the Holy Spirit. How do I implement this in my life? So I think maybe one of the things we do at the end tonight is not just go, okay, on your way and try to work it out and let me know how it goes. Let's pray tonight when we get done. Let's ask the Holy Spirit. It's got to be tailored for each of us in our lives and how the Holy Spirit ministers to us, how we hear, how it works in our situation. So let's, we'll, we'll ask God at the end of this. So uh, those two things, the vain imaginations and the transformed mind, begin with Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Now, I put the second half of the verse in your notes. And after I read that, I'll go actually go back and read it uh, in the full here. But this is the part that I wanted you to see. Uh, the Lord himself, when Paul is writing this, he's writing it to the Roman church, and he's writing it uh, as though he were speaking Uh, on behalf of God himself. And so Paul writes this, they became vain in their, what's the word right there? 
So, all right, back up. Uh, the word vain. I think in our society today, the idea of vain, vanity, uh, a person who's into themselves, you know, um, a person who dresses apart or acts apart, sort of a phony. It's not, there, there's, there's, there's duality to the meaning of vain. Vain can also be, Solomon, when he wrote Ecclesiastes, used the word vain several times. All is vain, uh, chasing after the wind. Do you remember when he, anybody, you ever read that? So what is, another meaning or a dual meaning of vanity is that it comes to nothing, that there's nothing out of this. Well, that would be the meaning here that we find. Uh, part of it is, is being written by Paul. They became vain or it came to nothing in their imaginations. All that they thought about, all that they worked on, all that they were doing was for nothing because it didn't exalt God. And it actually says that, I'll, I'll go back and read it to you, but to finish it in the second half, they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was, what's the word there? Okay, so the only reason I include that last part, I wanted you to concentrate on it because there's a progression here. A person becomes vain in their imaginations, which then leads to a progression of darkness of mind. Or in other words, when they think it's not enlightenment. And here's the deal. We live in a day where people tell us, you're not enlightened. You're the ones who live with a caveman mentality. Well, you know, here, here's, 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 here's the gospel all the way back in the Old Testament uh, in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah said, woe to you who switch good for evil, a truth for the lie, and say the false as though it were right. Yes or no, that's the day we live in today. Yes. Without question, that's the day we live in today. And so we're accused of not having enlightened thinking. I don't think anybody walks in this room without having some uh, the majority of people haven't walked in this room without having some type of enlightenment with God opening your mind, and that's what got you here. You didn't come here because you didn't have anything else to do on a Saturday night. Right. So some of you are like looking, ah, this, is, this was it. It's been on my calendar for six months, actually. And then last week, I was really mad at you, actually. I don't know whether to be mad or pray. Pray. <laughs> let, me read, let me read the whole verse. Uh, this is from the NIV, Romans 121. The whole verse uh, reads this way. Paul's doing a whole thing against um, people who, who knew God or had an understanding of God, but then reject that. They reject God. And then he traces their steps of what happens. And we read about the finality of it there, but the entire verse would read this way. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to God. So there's two issues there. There's glorifying God and thanking God. I, in my mind, it's a position of humility that a person, when a person exchanges humility for the position of superior, I know everything. I figured everything out. Anybody in this room lived long enough to know you don't know everything? It's very hard to know everything. I, I read even this last week, there are still eight things with the brain. Eight. There must be probably 8,000 or 80,000, but there were eight in this article. Eight things that scientists cannot explain about why the brain functions the way that it does. One of them was just the fact that we are aware and conscious. They can't ex How does that happen? Well, there was a cosmic belch at some point, and then a monkey <laughs> fell, and an amoeba got excited. Here we are. It's called macrobiology. You'd never understand it. Just believe it. It's called God. You can't understand it, but believe it. Okay, you want an enlightened thinker? You idiot. Okay, so there we go. 
I'm back. A little ornery, but I'm back. So let me, let me just finish reading this. I don't know. There's, that's my commentary, not Paul's. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their hearts, their foolish hearts, were darkened. So he, he uses a progression here that a person who rejects the knowledge of God, who will not glorify him by admitting that he exists and will not worship him, then exchanges that. There, look, we tend to think of spirituality as being a neutral place. If I don't decide... Then I'm okay. To not decide is to decide. To reject is to decide. You didn't decide not. What you rejected was you you have now, according to the Bible, according to, to God's principles, you reject him, you do not put your place underneath him, then you exalt yourself above him. The original lie was you can be like God. He still tells the same lie. The same lie that got man in trouble in the beginning is still the lie that gets man in trouble today. You can be like God. You don't have to acknowledge him. You don't have to worship him. And in fact, you can exalt yourself into his position because you can know as much as God knows without having to ever go to God. Here's what happens. You become vain in your thinking and darkened in your enlightenment. Why did they call it the dark ages in the 1500s? Any clue? Why was it called the dark ages? Because it was a terrible turning away from God. The enlightenment was what? The enlightenment was when people turned back to God. The music reflected it. The art reflected it. The world at large reflected the enlightenment. The dark ages. Some of you are like, man, this this whole thing today, man is evolving into this high-minded thing. No, it's called the dark ages. And it was a terrible time to live on the earth. Couldn't happen again today, huh? Look around. Man's enlightenment. Let me, I, I, I realize I'm commenting, so let me, let me teach. All right, three thoughts here. Imagination is always at work. Do you agree with that statement? Yep. Somebody passes you by, doesn't say hi. Yep. How do you do with it? Does it ever bother you? Do you ever think, why didn't they say hi? I know why they didn't say hi. <laughs> oh, I know why. <laughs> And it just starts working in your head. You ever done that? You ever got in the shower and had a conversation about something that never took place? <laughs> Five of us laugh. The rest of you laugh. Come on. You ever, done, you ever had a conversation with yourself about stuff? that? I had a, a guy one time tell, he said, 95% of everything we worry about never happens. Yep. So like 93% of everything you say, I'm not sure if it's true or not. <laughs> Where do people come up with statistics? But it's, there's some truth to that, isn't there? Most of what we worry about is not really even based in reality, is it? Something happens and the imagination takes over and we begin to build arguments, defenses. How about this? Can you become angry over stuff that's not true? What is that? The imagination. Can you spend money on stuff that's not true? What's that? Vain imaginations. We all have them. It can work good or bad in your life. It's not a saved, not saved, no God, not no. It, it's God created the imagination. Here's the truth. It's controlled by God, and it leads to great thinking. It can be controlled by the enemy, this world, or your circumstances, and it leads to dark thinking. Does that make sense? So then you're a believer. You die, go to heaven, but you live here and now with far less than what Jesus said when he said, I came to bring life and not just any life but an abundant life. So how does the abundant life take place? I would submit to you that part of the abundant life 
is the ability to think correctly about who God is. So if you don't know him and don't think correctly about him, you don't respond to him when he's trying to do things anyway. Stan, does that sort of go down the right? Let me, let me keep going here. So, all right, so three thoughts. The imagination is always at work. It really never shuts off. If you're thinking it's working, it's either controlled by God or by the enemy. You could substitute the word world there or circumstance. And here's the bottom line. Your imagination is creating your life. You tend to think, no, other things around me are creating. But no, your imagination much controls your life. All right, so how would that work? Let me give you three quick things here. Number one, what controls the imagination controls you. Trust me on this issue. What controls your imagination controls you because your imagination controls your feelings. Yeah. Feelings, feelings can be good or bad, but they're not always true, yes or no. Yeah. There's a higher way to live than by your feelings all the time. Yeah. Let me try that one more time. There's a higher way to live than by your feelings all the time. How about this? At what level do we quit living by our feelings and start living by truth? But how do we know what the truth is unless the imagination lines up with it? So here's the problem with the imagination. The imagination will lie to you so that even if it's a lie, it becomes your truth. And when somebody believes a lie, yelling at them or arguing with them doesn't change their mind, does it? For many people, it only reinforces where they are, correct? So then what does it take? God has to. Truth of God. Jesus said you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. He didn't say just tell somebody the truth. Truth of God has to penetrate the lie in order to set somebody free. Does that make sense? So what controls the imagination ultimately will control you too. Without God, the imagination becomes dark, according to what Paul said right here. When we become vain in our imaginations, a heart becomes darkened with the way that it thinks. Number three, vain imaginations are self-fulfilling prophecies. Let me say it one more time. Vain imaginations are self-fulfilling prophecies. How about this? There are things in your life that God doesn't want to happen, but they can happen if you want them to happen. Wow. Do I, do I say it again? Yeah. There are things in your life that God doesn't want to happen, but they can happen if you want them to happen. God's not out to get you. Amen. But how many times do we live like God's out to get me? Um, man, I don't know if I want to tell this story or not. Uh, 32 years ago, I was 17, almost 18. My brother said, let's go see a Rush concert. So we pile in this car and we head down to a Rush concert at McNichols Arena. They were here again last night. My brother called me and said, nostalgia tour. <laughs> and I agreed. And off we went to a Rush concert. This doesn't have anything to do with the message. Three quick things. One, only old people go to listen to Rush now. <laughs> I looked around, everybody was old. I'm like, I'm the only young guy in the place. And then I realized what I was saying. It was the worst part about it. Number two, 50-year-olds should not go to Rush concerts. <laughs> Number three, my ears are still ringing from last night. <laughs> Don't push yourself through it. All right. Um, the drummer for Rush is named Neil Peart. Probably one of the best drummers in the world. Neil lost his daughter in a car wreck and his wife to cancer in a short amount of time. Guy um, is an anti God person. Here's his deal. God doesn't exist, but everything he says about God is this angry explosion towards God. How do you become angry at something you don't believe exists? That's a good question. Just follow me here. So I'm not going to put myself in this place because I don't know what I would do. I was walking in with my brother last night and talking about that right there. And I, I said, I, I'm, not, I'm not judging because God knows to lose a kid and a wife in a year's time. I, first of all, I don't want to have to ever go through it to figure out how I would feel. You agree? Yeah. So I never want to be there. 
But then everything that he writes and everything that he has to say about God, it's not, uh, you know, if you don't believe something, you don't talk about it. But he's actually angry at God is what it is. He blames God. He, he, it's all God's fault ultimately. Why is it that, why, why don't we ever go, I'm mad at the devil? I'm mad at a fallen war. This is not the way. Why don't we ever think this is not the way God wanted it or created it to be? This is not the world he desired. It's not the will that he put forth. What he wanted was blessing. But we gave, we're given choice. We went our own way, did our own thing, and it opened up. Then what? Darkness. And we live with the result of darkness. All right, Jesus made it right. Ultimately, when it's all said and done, we win. But we still live with the result of our decisions. So why when stuff happens, why don't we ever think, I hate the devil? Why do we always go, God, let me down? Good. What is that? So does that sound familiar to anybody in here? Why is it so easy to think about um, the Salvation Army, their slogan? Whenever a natural disaster happens, they call it an act of God. If you have an insurance policy, it's written into it that, that insurance will not cover certain acts of God, like a revival. <laughs> never, never says that, does it? What's an act of God in your insurance policy? Tornado? Earthquake? A flood? Yes or no? Our Salvation Army has, here's their slogan. Countering acts of God are acts of nature with the love of God. That's good. It draws the distinction between two things, doesn't it? Why do we attribute to God everything that belongs to a fallen world? Here's why. God's in charge of everything. He offered that and we said no to it. So then he offers back to us, you can enter back into the covenant, you've got to do it by choice, part of it is giving this to me. Think the right, I would say the number one place the church needs to be renewed in their mind, the way they think is the way they think about God. Because we look at like what I said, some, some secular drummer who doesn't believe in God, but then he writes he hates God. <laughs> we go home, stuff happens in our life, and the easiest thing to think is God let me down, God wasn't faithful to me, God didn't keep his promise. Why, why did this, where's God? Where was God when Jesus was crucified on the cross? Right there. Where was God when an earthquake hit? Right there. Where was God when the, when the terrorists slammed into the, the towers on, uh, in 2001? Where was God? Right there. He wasn't absent on the other side of the universe. He was right there. Still involved in a world that said no to him. If your mind goes any other direction, it needs to be renewed. That's where it needs to be renewed. The very number one place. Gosh, we're going to talk about a renewed mind about the stuff. If you can't think right about God, how are you going to think right about your neighbor? If you can't think right about God, how do you think right about your wife? If you can't think right about God, how do you think right about yourself? Because everything he wrote about you, you don't even, you don't even, you don't even embrace it or acknowledge it. You should never go to him first. Get it? Let me sit back down and relax. All right, this is important. I wrote this important. That's how you know it's important. This is important. Uh, the, imagination, <laughs> the imagination is where vision comes from. So we live in a day, vision's a big buzzword around us. A lot of books are written on vision. Most people think vision is a goal. If you had, if you had to ask ever, what's a vision, they would probably write a definition of vision is a, I have a goal. Go to do that. That's not what a vision is. Um, do this real quick. Close your eyes. If all you see is darkness, you don't have a vision. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't get it. Listen. <laughs> I'm going to have fun whether you do or not. 
So you leave here mad, you leave here happy. How you want to leave? Some of you are like, now? No. Stay until I get done. So the imagination is where vision comes from. To really have a vision for your life is not to have a goal for your life, but it's to understand the purpose of your life. So understanding the purpose of your life has to come from imagination that understand this is what God wants for me. The imagination is not some fault. Remember, here, here's what I taught. We tend to think of imagination as something for little kids, but imagination covers the gamut from little kids to adults. In a little kid, it's like the monster under the bed. You remember me teaching that? Yep. The kid comes in, if you've raised children, you know that there's a monster in my room. You go in, you can't go, no, no, listen to me. I want you to grow up and quit acting that way. You have a child's imagination. Now you stop it right now. No, you can't. You got to take them back in there. You got to sit with them. You show them. You still have to, nine times out, you sit on the side of the bed. Wait till they go to sleep. They've got to outgrow it. Uh, I, I, her name was Kim. It's exactly the way that I, I, I told the story. The very first time I had a difficult counseling situation as a young pastor. Her mother brought her into me. She had quit eating. And at the time, we didn't have a term called bulimia. No one knew what it was. She lost weight, lost weight, lost weight, lost weight. And we would pray. I would ask her what was wrong with her. She'd lie. So I don't know what's wrong with me. I just, I feel sick every time I eat, so I throw up. She was purging. By the time we found out, it was, I mean, it was bad, bad, bad. Do you know what I'm talking about? So I took her, the only thing I could think of was just show. So I took her to a mirror and I said, what do you see? She said, I see a fat girl. This is a girl who looked like a skeleton with skin stretched over it. If you've ever seen it, you know what I'm talking about right now. And I tried to say, that, no, no, look. What do you see? That's what she saw. It was not true, but it was her truth. And it controlled her life. And it cost her life. So imagination is not a kid issue. It's a human issue. Um, William Wilberforce. You ever saw the movie Amazing Grace? Uh, the song was written as part of Wilberforce's efforts to abolish slavery. Wilberforce, a man to stand up to a nation, good or bad, his imagination has shown him something else. Do you hear what I just said? Good or bad, his imagination has shown him something else. A person to lay down their life for something greater than themselves? They've had to see something else. Do you agree? That's vision. When that is controlled by God, great things happen. Do you you hear what I'm saying? When, when When you see what God sees, you see it often through your imagination. It's not just a blank. It's an understanding of this is where I'm going and this is what's got. You know where to head. You know what to stand for or to stand against. The life you're living is in direct proportion to where your imagination has brought you. You don't have to say amen to it, but it is true. Here's, here's the deal. Quit being a victim. It's quiet. Listen to me for a minute. My name's John. I'm your pastor, and God sent me to help you. I love you. 
I'm not an evangelist who comes in here and speaks for a weekend and then I'm gone and I don't have to worry about the mess I create. I have to live here with what I say. Well, why would he say something like that? The life I'm living now is largely due to the product of my imagination. I got a sucky life. Maybe your imagination sucks. Now, you can't say that. Just did. <laughs> DJ wouldn't, but I would. <laughs> and I'm pastor for life. Come on. My Saturday night people. DJ told me, man, when you come back, it's all going to be different. Liar. <laughs> Laugh, folks. Have fun. Proverbs 23, 7. Here's, here's what I base that statement on. Let me read the statement one more time and then I read the scripture. The life you're living is direct proportion to where your imagination has brought you. Okay, that, is that your opinion? Is that your thought? Is that from John's book of Proverbs? Is it scriptural? How about this? Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart. Read the last three words with me. So is he. As he what? Thinks where? Where's the heart? Be careful where you point. Thank you. You got it. In the Bible, the word heart is your mind, your will, and your imagination. It's not the organ that beats in your chest. This is the seat of everything that happens in your life. This is not some Christian science thing either, mind over matter. That won't work. This is allowing this to be controlled by the one who created it to renew your thinking daily. See, here's the problem with this too. You can have renewed thinking at one point in your life, but if you don't stay current with that and walk with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, you fall back into an old pattern. Water will always seek its own level. The mind does the same thing. It always goes to the easiest way to think. The easiest way to think. Enlightened thinking is more difficult than the easiest way to think. That's why they call it enlightenment, if I can say the word while I'm standing up here. I'm from Louisiana. Hold no grudge. Enlightenment. Could have said it. Enlightenment. Would that have helped? I feel like I'm preaching really hard, and it's like a tug-of-war right now. Maybe it's my imagination. It's, I'm just going to close my eyes. and Let me kick back here. All right, let's talk about the transformed mind for just a second. Romans 12, 2. Paul writes this to the Roman church again. Uh, remember Romans 1? So, you know, hey, the books of the Bible, Paul didn't sit down and go, this is Romans 1. Right. He wrote letters. So Romans 1 and 2 are all part of the same letter. We divide it up into Romans chapter 1, chapter 2, so that we could look it up later for use of ease, rather than reading an entire letter. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. So sometimes we tend to take the scriptures and we break them down like, this was written over here at this time, this was written at this time. Like, some of that's true, but like Romans, Paul, his whole thought when he starts Romans 1 that people who reject God, give up enlightened thinking and become dark, then leads into Romans chapter 12. And Paul begins in Romans chapter 12 with the idea here, you've got to be renewed in the way that you think. Because if you are not renewed, you've got, you don't have enlightened thinking. You don't have the understanding of God. You have the understanding of man in this world. You exalt man's truth above God's truth. And then you live with that as your paradigm. So what is that called? Humanism. And it's actually a religion. The worship of what? Man. As the ultimate authority. Anybody in this room 
not willing to worship man as the ultimate authority. Uh, me? I'm not satisfied with where that thinking has got us. So in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he continues the thought, do not be conformed to this world. He's writing to believers. This, this is good. He's writing to believers. And instead of assuming that because they're believers, they think different, he has to tell believers, don't be conformed to this world. So is it possible to be born again but not think different? Heck yes. It's possible. It is possible that your salvation is not based on the way you think. Your salvation is based on the work of Jesus. But your life is based on the way that you think. Do you believe it? Oh, well, it's right here. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How are we transformed? By the renewing of your that you may then, once your mind is renewed, here's the benefit of it. You can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of Without a renewed mind, you do not think of God as being good, perfect, and acceptable. You don't think of his will as being good, perfect, and acceptable. Here's the proof of an unrenewed mind. God does not have good, perfect, and acceptable things for me in my life. Anything less than that must be renewed if you're going to live the life of God. If it's not, if you think anything less than that, then you're exalting the world's truth or your understanding above the truth of God. Here's what God wants for you. He wants you to think of him as good, pleasing, and perfect in everything that happens in your life. So that means in all the unfair things that happen, God is still good, pleasing, and perfect. Um, ah, help me. In everything, when you're sitting in a hospital... And you don't know why. And you can only bring it down to three things. Look at me. Either God did this, the devil did this, or my body's beginning to betray me. <laughs> it's only one of those three. I did tell Rebecca earlier, I did read in the paper that there's some salad company out of Mexico that's brought defective salad into restaurants. And I had a salad the day I got sick. So it could be that too. But that goes back to the world being fallen. Could be that. I have not eaten a Chick-fil-A salad since that day. And I love Chick-fil-A. I'm afraid. I'm like, I don't know. But my wife ate it. She was like, why am I telling you this? Possible difference could it make? Don't listen to that part of what I'm saying. Listen to everything else but not that. I can't remember what I was saying. What was I saying? One of three things. Thank you. What were the three things? I knew what they were. I just wanted to see. Good job. Good job. So if God did it to me, then God the Father and God the Son work in opposition to each other because Jesus healed everyone who came his way. You will not find one person that Jesus ever turned away. Find it in the Bible. Come sit with me. I'll buy you lunch. Chick-fil-A. Here. I'm sorry. I gotta have a renewed thinking too. It just, it's like this debate goes on in my mind. Too. All right. uh, Jesus never turned anybody. Anybody need to be healed? Jesus healed them. If God's putting sickness on people, but the Son is taking sickness off people, they work in opposition to each other. Here's what Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot 
So that, it can't be that. So then the devil did it. If I give the devil that much control in my life, something about that just is not good. Do you hear me? To attribute the devil with the credit of everything, come on. So maybe it is. Maybe this isn't all that. <laughs> oh, come on! I'm mocking me! Not you, me! Maybe, so maybe this is broken. And maybe just like the Bible says, maybe this is deteriorating, passing away, and actually groaning to be released into what it's actually supposed to be. And maybe I'll never even know that till this ends. So all my prayers are being, oh, restore this, restore this. And God's whole plan is this is passing away. The only way to restoration is to actually step out of this and into the full thing I created for you in the beginning. But you gave up, but I'll bring you back to it. <laughs> Preach my way all the way around this thing twice now. You, it is the highest way to think is to attribute correctly if God did it, now he's my enemy. If the devil did it, now my life is out of control. But if I live in a fallen world, now I know how to pray. Now I have hope. God never let me down. God's still there. Where was God when you were in the hospital? Right next to me. When I couldn't stop throwing up. When I hurt so bad that I wanted to die. When I was praying to be, actually, release me from this bondage, help me. <laughs> Anything is better than this. Where was God? Right there. He never left my side one minute. So I'm talking, now, I'm talking about, now I can tell look, you, you cannot take away a man with an experience is higher than a man with an argument. A man with an experience has a higher understanding than a man with an argument. You have a chip on your shoulder, but I got proof. I'm here right now. God's faithful. And if I wasn't here right now, God's still faithful. Do you hear me? He's always faithful. That's higher thinking. So what does that help you? I can still pray. I can still cry out to God. He can deliver me yeah. from a fallen world. But if he's my enemy, how do I ever pray? Yeah. And if the devil's in control, man, how weak is God? Right. Does that make it? Greg, does that? God, it's, it's simple, huh? Greg, you always encourage me, man. Thank you. <laughs> we should go eat lunch. Not Chick-fil-A. <laughs> It's one of my best friends right there. Okay, three reasons to renew your mind. According to this scripture that we just read, here's the three reasons. Number one, to know God's will. How many of you would love to know God's will? Do you know how many people come to my office and go, man, I just wish I knew God's will. You can know God's will. You can know what God thinks. You can know what God wants. You can know what God has for you. How? Renew your mind. So here's what people, tell me what God has for me. Even if I tell you, you won't believe me. How do you know that? Because if it's your paradigm, me yelling into it doesn't change your paradigm. I can sit here and preach till I'm blue, but here's what I'm counting on right now. 
the Holy Spirit will take what I'm saying and enlighten you with it. Does that make sense? If I have to rely on me and my ability, we're all in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Three reasons to renew your mind. To know God's will. Number two, to believe the best. So how important is it to believe the best? Um, like if you're going to be married, here's what Paul says in Corinthians. Here's what love does. Always believes the best. What does love do? All, what does Jesus believe about us? The best. Why he laid his life down. <laughs> How does the Father think about all of us the best? When he looks at you, why, why, I, you ever listen to people when they pray and they spend so much time talking about all the stuff? Oh, God, I'm so sorry, I'm so wrong. I said, help, 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 help. How about this? Jesus already came to earth. The sky's already parted. He already died. It's already paid for. Let's start at that point and pray. It's all taken care of. What if it was all taken care of? What would change your prayers? Would you begin to ask for great, if he's a great God, ask for great things. Not the same thing over and over and Oh, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. He did. Yep. Some are mad at me for saying that. You're telling us not to confess our Confess one time in the morning and then stop for the rest of the day and pray onward. Onward. Try this. Onward. Okay, the, all of you who didn't do it are stuck. Where you, there, there. Okay, to know God's will, to believe the best. Number three, the possibility of inspiration. So let me just talk to you very quickly about this. Um, uh, you ever go to Disneyland, read anything about them? The people that they hire to help create it are called Imagineers. So I read a book recently. One of the, didn't even know God, but this is what he said. We practice inspiration. He didn't even know what he was saying. You heard of perspiration? <laughs> Respiration? What have to do with Breathing? oxygen. Inspiration. Look it up in your dictionary when you go home tonight. Here's inspiration. God breathed. That's what inspiration means. God inspired or God breathed. You want to know what a proper imagination is? God breathed on it. He inspired your thinking. Wouldn't you love if you own a business? Greg, wouldn't you love every day while you're running your business that every thought you had was from God about how to do your business? Oh, man. So everything I do, I pray, God, lead us in this. Help us in this. Every dollar that's given. You, do you, you know we don't just arbitrarily spend your money. Do you know that? God, we pray. We ask God before we commit to any mission. Before we do, we, we're praying. We're at God, lead us and inspire us so that we waste none of this, so that we don't do foolish, vain things with it. Yep. Do you know how easy it is to do vain things with money? Yes. Anybody? Yes. You ever get money? <laughs> Jack, wampum, greenbacks, <laughs> credit cards. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Rich. Some of the people are like, yeah, I got you. Go, got it, got it. It's so easy without enlightened thinking to take money and to use it on stupid stuff because it seems wise at the time. Anybody in this room ever regret anything you ever spent money on? Please, come be honest with me right now. Come on. What happened? I, don't, I remember what happened to me the first time I ever got in credit card debt. Very first time. 
I got a credit card in the mail right after I was married. Couldn't get one before I was married. Got one after I was married. Next thing, we were standing in the middle of Disneyland. <laughs> How'd we get here? Visa did this. <laughs> I think I had like a thousand or twelve hundred dollar limit and ran it up to the limit. And it took me like three years to get away from that. It seemed so smart at the time, and it hurt so dang bad <laughs> over here. So what was that? It was living in the moment. It was a foolish decision. It wasn't enlightened thinking, was it? Some of you are like, I don't know, because I'm getting tomorrow to Disney. You're saying, it's not wrong. You can pay it off. It's not wrong if it's under control. You can use it wisely. The Bible doesn't prohibit it, does it? But it does say stay out of debt. Why? Because it's enlightened thinking to do so. Yeah. It's foolish thinking to think the other way. Yeah. Put yourself as a slave. Hello. Mm -hmm. It's just, this, this runs the gamut from the most simplest way you live life to the most sophisticated way that you live life. It's in all parts. Um, how to transform your mind. I give you three things that I know for a fact work. Here's the problem. This is not a formula. So if you take this as a formula and go home and just do these three things, will you see some change? Yes, you'll see something. Here's the problem. Paul said when we use the flesh to tame the flesh, we entice the flesh. Let me try one more time. When we use the flesh to tame the flesh, it actually entices the flesh. So if we go home and we're going to use willpower to do this, here's what's going to happen. The opposite willpower will exert itself in your life. Yep. You need to be led by the Spirit of God. This is not a willpower issue. I will. It's God will this through me. Did, did you just hear? I'm afraid you're not going to hear me on this. And some of you like, I just want a formula. Let's give you three things real quickly. Number one is the Word. The Word of God. Ephesians chapter 5 is actually a chapter that speaks to husbands and wives about how to live their lives, but it tells husbands, I'll read it to you. If you brought your Bibles, um, you might want to turn there. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, it's verse 22 reads this way. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Uh, as Christ is the head of the church, uh, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 26, listen to this please to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the, what's that last word? The word has a cleansing effect on us when we put it inside of us. I don't know what it is. This is what makes the Bible more than ink and paper. It makes it more than someone who thought a particular way. It's inspired by God breathed by the Holy Spirit. Yep. He inspired the writing of it. It makes it, if you take this book and you apply it to your life, I know it works. Again, this is not a man with a chip or an argument. It's a man who has put it in his life and it changed everything. I am the son of multiple fathers with a background of divorce, abuse, alcoholism. Statistically, I should not be married 30 years. I should be an abuser to my children as I was. Yep. What happened to me is what I should have statistically repeated through the generations. 
Some people call it a generational sin or a curse. Call it what you want to. Here's what I think. When you grow up a particular way, you think a particular way. Yes or no? I grew up with a particular mindset about women. I grew up with a particular mindset about how things work and how you handle stress and what you do with pressure. I grew up with a men who didn't understand love and support and protect. I grew up with men who lived for themselves and did their own thing. And I should have been that man. But God. <laughs> Not if only, but God, who is real, who does change, who does deliver, who does save, who does forgive, who is here now, who gave me the most beautiful wife you've ever seen. Did you see her when we started this? <laughs> like, let's just say amen, I'm going home. <laughs> five children who love me, and all five love God. And I'm in their lives. Here, here's the most amazing thing. None of my dads know anything about me. Nothing. But I know about my kids. What I didn't have through my birth, God gave me through his life. Amen. What I didn't get my pedigree, God gave me as a gift. <laughs> oh, please hear me right now, man. <sighs> the Word of God, it changes everything. It doesn't change time deficits. <laughs> All right, second thing. Um, it helps us to captivate certain thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal or worldly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then it uses this phrase. It talks about capturing or taking prisoner every thought. And some translations actually use the word imaginations. Thoughts have to be captured and brought prisoner before Christ if they're wrong. And if you don't do that, what happens? You don't go to hell based on the work of Jesus. If you're a believer, based on the work of Jesus, you're going to heaven. Hear me. Jesus did the work for you. You put your faith, you trust, you give it to him. You're not going to heaven because you get your mind renewed. Jesus did that work. But you live on this earth with a life far less than what he wants you to have. And we're sitting, change my life. God is going, change your mind. Help me, help me. I have, I have. Come down. I did. Stop the devil. Already did. Done. Do something with it. Go forward. Think right. The last one. What are you thinking about? If I asked you right now, I don't mean on the spot, but I mean overall. Philippians 4, 8. Um, I don't know if you brought your Bibles. I always tell you to, just because I may go off page like this. So here's what Paul writes. 
to the Philippian church. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Here's my question. How do you know what those things are unless this gets renewed to know what those things are? The problem is vain imagination. You'll think these things are good that aren't really good. Yeah. And you think about those things all day long. Or you can think about what happened to you all day long, and it can create your paradigm. Thinking about stuff that happened to me, listen to me, if I let my mind go too long into my past, I can get angry. Anybody? Yeah. I can get bitter. Anybody? I can want revenge. Oh, sometimes revenge sounds like the... You know what it is? It's poison fruit. And you take a bite of it and it tastes good, but it goes down to the innermost part of your being and poisons you from the inside out. It doesn't, you don't know you're dead at first, but six months from now, you're dead. And unless you think, I need to forgive. No, I'm not talking about you. I, I need to forgive. I need to let these people go. God is big enough to take care of this issue. God knows how to best revenge is left to. Leave it to him. Let him handle all that stuff. You live your life. Let me try over here one. Live your life. Don't live your life trying to get revenge. Live your life, man. Go forward. Wow. Wow. First Chronicles 28.9, know thou the Lord. I'm sorry. I, I'll tell you the other thing. I should not do this without my glasses. Know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing what? For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. Where's the imagination come from? Your thoughts. Yes, no? Total, it's, they're totally interlinked with each other. You can be born again, but unless this gets renewed, you don't live the life that God has for you. Yeah, what, uh, let me shut this off. What, if I was you, you said, what would you do if you were me and you had problems in your life? I have problems in my life. More than I know what to do with. I've got responsibilities that weigh me down. I've got things I can't fix. I've got stuff I've got to work through. Here's something before. I got answers I'm never going, or questions I'll never get answers to because some of the people that need to answer them are dead. But what would I do if I was you? Here's what I would do. I would take all my stuff, I'd bring it to the Father, I'd lay it at his feet, and I would say, I want to live. You take this and deal with this. I want to think different. I'm not going to try to go back and fix everything that's broken in the past. I'm going to give it to you, take care of it. I'm going to live. I'm not going to live with everything that was done to me 20 years ago or 20 minutes ago. I'm going forward. Hello. So I'm just mad at you for saying that. Don't be mad at me. I'm trying to help you. I need a haircut. You ever seen any president takes office, how they look after they've been in office for... Do they not look young when they go in and then like horrible when they come out? Look at me. 
you know how young I was when I came here? My back never hurt. I never sweat like this. Worry, worry, worry. Help me out. Help a brother out right now. Believe me. Trust God. Give it to him. Be free. If the gospel is nothing else, it is the call to be free. It is the call to live your life without all that stuff, without having to go. Do you ever hit the point where you realize you can't fix it? You can't change it? You can't do anything about it? It is what it is. What happened was supposed to happen. It is what it is. What kind of thinking is that? Enlightened. So what does it do for me? It lets me go forward now. Do you hear me? It lets me go forward now. Okay. Just do this. If you, anything I said appeals to you in any way, shape, or form, you're like, God, change my thinking. Just put your hand on your heart right now. Just just do this. Father, the only thing that we are 100% sure of is that if the Holy Spirit does not enlighten us right now, and does not change the way that we think, then God will go out of here with more knowledge. We'll go out of here with more understanding. We'll go out of here having learned a few more formulas, but it won't really change us. Here's what I know to be true. Folks, any move of God, if it doesn't result in the change of a person, it wasn't worth a flip. God's not here as a show. God's not here to give a little goosebumps, spiritual heebie-jeebies, or I'm going to feel good about where things are and then go back and be right back where you were. God is here to offer to you substantive change. He's here to offer new life. I'm not just talking at the level of being born again, of giving your heart to him, of being assured of salvation. I'm talking about new life that God offers here and now. Jesus came to bring abundant life. That is not simply heaven, then and there. It is here and now and how we live. And that's what he offers to you right now. So you could have served God for 30 or 40 years, but if you didn't get this part down in your thinking, you still actually are dealing with issues from 30, 40, 50 years ago in your life. Same song, different day. Nothing changes. Does it speak to the lack of God's power? Nope. It speaks to an unrenewed mind. It speaks to trapped thinking. It speaks to being unenlightened and not understanding fully that God's will for your life is good, pleasing, and perfect. God revealed to us tonight change at the very base level If nothing else changes, change the way we think about you because that'll change everything else. Change the way we understand how you feel about us and what you think about us and what your thoughts are towards us. Your thoughts towards us are good. Your thoughts towards us are nothing. They're nothing but kind. There's no evil that ever crosses your mind about us. Even when the enemy accuses, (laughs) the son says, nope, not true. God, change our hearts. For those who are married, change the way they think about each other. Change what they say about each other. Change how they feel. For those with children, parents, change the way we understand each other. Let us see it the way you see it. God, for those who are going through a world that seems very broken, 
unfixable. Let us, God, not look at this world through, <laughs> through worldly eyes. Let us see this world the way that you see it, God. We're to occupy. We're to be about our Father's business. This world is worth it. God, help us. I pray your mercy. I pray your grace right now. I pray, God, people would understand your faithfulness and the fullness of that. God, not just me up here talking right now, but would understand regardless of what they're going through in life right now, even for those suffering, hurting, unfair, show them your faithfulness right now. Talk to them about the fact that you never leave, you never forsake. Even when we are unfaithful, you remain faithful because you never deny yourself. God, reality right now, reality check right now. Not some pie in the sky or reality check. How do I actually think about life? How am I going through? God, anyone in here who's thinking comes less than what you've written, what you've said, let us embrace what you said above what we think because what you said is what we need to think. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, before Nate, before all of our worship pastors come and close us out, I would, I would encourage you do business with the Father tonight. Do business with the Father while it's still called today. Don't walk out of here and go, I need to think about that. My good friend Gordon and I had coffee this week. We said the very same thing to each other. How many times the Holy Spirit speaks to us about something, and if you act on it at the moment, you have a chance to do it, but if you sit there and reason it, you'll talk yourself out of doing what God wants you to do. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm in deficit. I just really don't care. And I'm not going to ask you, I'm going to tell you my story. I'm at Costco. I walk in there because I'm hungry. <laughs> and they got free food. So I walk back there and try this, try this. And I tell them, I'm just talking to God. I say, God, I want to do anything you want me to do. I'll pray for anybody you tell me to pray for. A little kid in a wheelchair goes by me. I feel like the father said, go pray for him. And I take a step to go do it. And then my first thought was this. Mom will think I'm a weirdo. So I, maybe God wanted to heal him. If nothing else, God wanted to touch him. I have a chance to facilitate that. I just asked God to do it. Sends me a person, and here's what I do. Well, the mom will think I'm a weirdo. You know how many child molesters there are probably in Costco? Maybe you better think about this. No, go do what God wants you to do. Turn around, gone. A moment in time escapes from me forever after I just prayed. Send somebody to me. I'll minister to anybody. I just, whatever you want me to do, I want to do it. You ever prayed that? And I think God answers it. Okay, let's do it. Well, wait a minute. That's not what I meant. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, here's what I was thinking. I'm sitting on my couch. Send them to me. That's how I'll know for sure. Don't judge me, right? So I'm like, what kind of pastor doesn't pray for people? The kind that's human like you are and waits one moment too long to respond to it. True? At a bus stop, wherever it's at, he tells you to do it. Do it right then. Just do it. Do what he tells you to do. I, okay, I'm done. Uh, our worship pastors will come and close our service out. We'll worship for a few minutes. And as we do that, don't hurry just to go. Take a few minutes. Ask God. Change this in me. Help me with this. Talk to me about this. I believe God wants to do that. Do you? Yes. It's a litmus test. Do you believe God wants to do that? Yep. Yes. What are you going to say now? No, no, no. <laughs> okay, mic's off. Worship. All right.